On today's show, we'll talk about our culinary road trip to Oregon and how you can do it right at home. What we've eaten at home this month, reopenings like Cafe Campagna and the Edgewater Hotel, and what's happening calendar-wise. It's all coming up on the Seattle Dining Show. Hi, this is Kathy Casey. Welcome to the Seattle Dining Show. Coming to you live from the Test Kitchen Studio high atop Queen Anne Hill, it is time for the Seattle Dining Show. Join us as we explore news about Northwest restaurants, take a look at upcoming events, discover new kitchen tips you can use at home, dive into great recipes, and much more. And now, here's your host, the senior editor, Connie Adams, and whoever else just happened to drop by today. Welcome to the May 2021 Seattle Dining Show, number 2105. I'm Connie Adams, Senior Editor, and I'm here with Tom Marin, publisher and owner of Seattle Dining. Hi, everybody. What a soft voice today. (laughs) (laughs) It's a lovely day outside, everybody, isn't it? It is. It's a lovely day in the neighborhood. Yes. Yeah. Um, Speaking of neighborhoods... Not, because we weren't in ours last week. We were taking a five-day culinary trip in Oregon. We did. We did. Tom had this plan where he wanted to go to Oregon, so he looked up restaurants and found ones that he'd really like to try, and that's how we chose what cities we went to, by the food we were going to eat. Well, this all started when you got me two overnights at Salishan. Mm-hmm. And then I just thought, hey, let's not just go down and do that and come home. Let's uh, spend a little more time. So we spent another three days down there. Yeah. And we ended up uh, going to Eugene and Corvallis, which were both pretty fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you were looking for restaurants, you were looking for something unusual, a little magic that might have been going on with the menus, places that looked like they were using good quality, maybe even healthy ingredients. So we'll talk about where we went later in the show. But it got me thinking about how if either financially or time-wise you can't just go for five days right now, how you could sort of set up your own culinary trip in this area. Oh, I see. You know, um, sometimes we just can't get out. But uh, you could research places near where you live or where you work and kind of map out a culinary journey. Yeah, you could. You know, you could do something – once a week or once a month or like if if money's really an issue, only do an expensive one once a quarter and then the rest of the time pick out your favorite chicken sandwiches to try or, you know, yeah. some great Chinese food or something. So, you know, figure out what you want to eat, how healthy you want to be, what meals you'd like to try, breakfast, lunch, dinner, snacks. You know, do you want to stop for ice cream in the afternoon? Um now that everything's opening up, there's there's in fact, you know, there's lots of new restaurants yeah. that have opened during the pandemic that a lot of us haven't been to yet. Exactly. And I'm always guilty of this. There's lots of places that we talk about and I haven't eaten there yet. So yeah, uh, we're needing a little culinary road trip right here in Seattle. Yeah. All right. Yeah. And it, you know, you could just sit down and kind of block it out for a month, once a week, you know, where do you want to try? Do you want to go to breakfast one day on the weekend or do you wanna do dinner only or, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, um, what worked well for us on the trip, because we were eating three meals a day, and they weren't small, Mm-mm. but uh, sometimes we'd just get tapas if we went somewhere or we'd share something. So it doesn't have to be that expensive. Yeah. You know, yeah. over over uh, five days, we spent 
$727 in food. Oh. So that yeah. wasn't bad. No, considering it was our vacation. Three we... meals a day. That's like, yeah. uh, what is that? It's like 15 meals. That's like 20 bucks a meal. Yeah, that's not bad at wow. all. Yeah, and um, I was just thinking about where we went and what we did. And the um, the times, one of the problems we ran into, and hopefully this will lessen as we hopefully come out a little more of the pandemic, but at the time we planned the trip, most places were not taking reservations for indoor dining. Right. So we didn't have reservations, and we were planning to go to dinner as soon as they opened. So sometimes that was four, sometimes that was five. But just the way things worked out, we often had a later lunch. And then, you know, two and a half hours later, we're looking at dinner. Yeah, it's exactly. Like, okay, too much. So now that you can make reservations, by the time we did this, a lot of places were taking reservations. So, um, you know, plan it out and, and then make your reservations so you don't end up crunching your meals together. Mm-hmm. Crunching your meals crunching together? Crunching your meals together. I used a food term to talk about eating. I love my crunchy meals together. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of crunchy meals, what have we been making at home? You made a delicious halibut. Tell us about that halibut I you made. I did. You know, this was a, a mix of things. Uh, Met Market was doing a two-for-one, buy-one filet of halibut and get the second one free. So I felt like you know, I had to go support them on that. And then for some reason, and I don't really – oh, I know why. I opened the cupboard and something fell out, and it turned out to be my dried porcini mushrooms. Mm. And then I thought, ooh, I could do um, a mushroom rub like Stefan does at Paragon Seattle that he puts on the prime rib. Yeah. So I, I um, looked it up online, and somebody said, yeah, put dried mushrooms in the oven and dry them further. Oh, really? So they're brittle. And oh, then wow. mash them up with a little salt and pepper. And I'd that's probably your just dry put them rub. in a coffee grinder, in a bean grinder. I put them in my blender. Yeah. Um, so that was the rub. And then it went over, you plated it over a Cabernet wine, Cabernet vinegar, and shallot sauce. I couldn't find anywhere Cabernet vinegar, but I checked out a bit of taste, and they advised me that, the one that always worked for them to do something like that was sherry vinegar. Mm-hmm. So I did use Cabernet wine and then sherry vinegar Yeah, and the shallots. And that, it was quite delicious. I mean, there's lots of red red balsamics, you know, just – Yeah. Uh, I think uh, – we haven't talked about it yet, but we'll get there. That That's what I ended up using oh, is in it? my dish. So. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that was that was my big win this, this uh, month. Well, and then um, – Last night we enjoyed grass-fed ribeye steak, mm. which I pan-fried, um, and then I put a. It's, it's funny because it's like a similar sauce. It's a red wine shallot and then uh, balsamic yeah. in there with uh, I don't know. Oh, there was some thyme in it. There was mm. some butter. Uh, hey, there's butter in mine too. So it's quite tasty. Yeah. So. We apparently like that kind of sauce. Cause yeah, apparently so. We probably need to uh, document it somewhere yeah. so we always have it available. Exactly. So good. Well, during the month, too, we, we tried a couple of wines. You know, we're always trying to stay low on price. And these two were both on sale. So I don't know that you'd always get them, but we paid nine ninety nine for the linen red blend from Columbia Valley. 
Um, it was a 2016, and it was interesting because it was 28% Malbec, 22 Cab Sav, 22 Merlot, 14 Syrah, 7 Petit Verdot, and 7 Cab Franc. So it was a lot of different grapes. I personally really liked it. I liked it on its own, and I liked it with the fish, Yeah, with well, the red I, sauce. I usually like red blends. Yeah, me too. The other one was a 2019 Auspicien, which was a California Chardonnay, eight ninety nine on sale. And I thought that was fine. I didn't, it didn't do anything for me, but it didn't offend me either. Uh-huh. I don't know if you liked it better than that. I'll drink any wine, you know. Yeah, that's true. You did like it better than that. One. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so what are we going to do? Are we going to take a break and then come back and do news bites? Yeah, let's do that. All right. Support for Seattle Dining and the Seattle Dining Show is provided in part by Queen Anne Olive Oil. Explore their huge selection of flavor-infused olive oils and balsamics. Mix and match to create some unique taste treats. Take a field trip soon to the top of Queen Anne and experience oils and vinegars in a whole new way. Find more information at QueenAnneOliveOil.com. My name is Dennis Lucier. I live on Finney Ridge, and I like Local 360 because they bring together a lot of the local things that I find at the farmer's market and around town and uh, put it together in a really wonderful way. Hi, this is Ethan Stoll, and you're listening to the Seattle Dining Show. are back on the Seattle Dining Show. I'm Tom Marin, the publisher. <laughs> I'm here with Connie Adams, the front of the house. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> and uh, we're going to go uh, into our news bites section here. And uh, we've always got stuff coming up online uh, in our news bites. You can follow that anytime you want at seattledining.com. Click on news bites. Or uh, get in on our Twitter feed, because that's where we store it all. So, anyhow, um, here's a surprising one, the first one. What is it? Rosaria Resort is for sale. Um, There's been rumors for a while, so I I wasn't totally surprised. Um, The family who owns it now has had it for a while, and they have done a ton of refreshing and remodeling and, you know, make it an even better than it ever was, which was always pretty fabulous. Um, and the going opinion is sort of like they've been so dedicated to it that hopefully they will sell it to someone who will continue that trend. But, you know, the reality is it could go to a private party. You'd have to be really, really wealthy. And, and Oprah's already bought up there. So, mm-hmm. but, um, and isn't part of it a, not a national park, but part of it is a registered place or something. Oh, uh, historic, historic I, registered, uh. Yeah, I don't, I don't know yeah. if if the lodge is or if the you know the park I think up there. Probably the main building is. Yeah, so uh, you know, even if somebody bought it for their own personal use, there's some things that seem to have. Would so be. you're saying you think that someone like a Columbia Hospitality or someone like that might buy it? No, they they operate. They they oh, are they just operations. Operate them. They don't own. They don't own most of okay. that stuff. Yeah, so I'm just saying I hope it goes to someone who wants it to continue to be a lodge for the public as opposed to someone who's going to buy it and turn it into their own private playground. Oh. That's all I'm saying. Oh. 
Now, the second item was something you said you saw on Dylan Jordan's Jordan's Facebook page. Yep. And he was, uh, you know, he was at Serafina, he was at Piatti, and on his Facebook page, he says his new home is going to be as executive chef at the Pink Door. Yeah. So that's kind of exciting. So if you if you like to follow Dylan around, that's going to be your next stop, the yeah. Pink Door. Yeah. And I've been then, following that guy around for. 25 years. Is that how long ago was it that he was at Serafina? Uh, I think he started at Serafina probably about 99. Wow. So 22 years. Hmm. Interesting. No. Wasn't John still there? Yeah, John was there, but Dylan was in the kitchen. Oh, oh, oh. Okay. He was like sous chef or whatever. Oh, okay. Well, the Fairmont Olympic has been um, working and working and working on that lobby area, and they are premiering it on uh, April 30th. Also, they're going to start afternoon teas in the lobby on May 8th from on weekends, Saturday and Sunday, noon to 4. And they have um, some pictures. And I did put a picture out on our News Bites, so you can go out there and look at it. But it looks pretty fabulous. Hmm. It, they've literally put a bar in the middle of the Oh, lobby. really? Yeah. In the middle of the lobby. Okay. Yeah. So, and it, well, they were always serving drinks out there anyways. Probably yeah, they just were. made sense. And then they had the smaller bar up those two stairs before yeah. you went into the restaurant. So um, it looks really, really cool on the picture. So I'm excited to get down and look at it. Then Icicle Brewing in Leavenworth has celebrated their 10th anniversary. I, I remember them starting up. I can't believe it's been 10 years. Yeah. I, I thought it had been longer than 10 years. Oh. Hmm. They say 10, and they, they've released a 10th anniversary triple dry hopped double IPA. So that's <laughs> going to be quite something. Then the um, next opening, and this is open now. It opened on um, April 29th, but the Edgewater has officially reopened. And, uh, you know, they've been closed entirely this whole yeah, time. Yeah, throughout the whole pandemic. Yeah. And they're doing kind of a fun thing. They're going to celebrate with their first ever Musical performance just for guests on a floating barge on May 28th. So will the guests be in their rooms looking out at the floating barge? Yeah, they're going to put it out in front of the hotel. So, of course, they're saying accommodations are going to be pretty tough to get that night. But you can reserve space at 6-7 Restaurant. There'll be a $25 cover plus a $20 food and beverage minimum. And then they also have five private meeting spaces. So if you've got a pod that you've been hanging with, during the pandemic, you can go get one of those meeting huh. rooms, you know, and, and be maskless and, and enjoy. And the musical entertainment is going to be Paul McCartney? No. Oh. No. They did actually have a list, and I didn't put it on our news bites. I thought people could go out and see for themselves. It was getting too long. Yep. So. Then another wonderful opening is Cafe Campagna. Um, as you probably know, they've been doing takeout, and for a while there. I don't know if he's still doing it or not, but Daisley, the chef and owner, was actually bicycling orders to people's homes. Oh, wow. Within a two-mile radius or something. But um, as of June 2nd, they are going to reopen for both indoor dining and their outdoor dining. And and they were waiting until they felt that all their staff could get vaccinated. Mm, good so idea. So that everybody would be safe and, and you I know. I like that. Thank yeah, you. I do too. So to start with, their hours are going to be Wednesday through Saturday, 10 to 8, and then Sunday, 10 to 4. They're going to start by celebrating with bouillabaisse and rosé features in honor of their annual Drink Pink event. Hmm. So keep an eye out for that. 
seem to remember you and I went to Campania one night, and they did that thing where they spliff the top of the champagne neck off. That was like the first time we ever went out. Yeah. Yeah. And they did. I don't remember what the event was, but they had a bunch of um, appetizers, and they did go and, and talk how they take the saber and yeah. pop off the champagne And you, and you got glass in your champagne. I remember we had to take you to the hospital. Oh, no, oh, no that, that didn't, didn't happen. happen. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting a call from Daisley now. <laughs> Why do you say these things out? <laughs> Shota Nakajima, who just um, – well, what what just aired? He did it a while ago, but he was on uh, Portland, the Chef series that w- that took a place in Portland. So he is back, and he is reopening his bar Taku on Capitol Hill on May fifth. He originally Cinco de Mayo, yeah, come get to, come to Taku. Yeah, well, they um, originally that he had a bunch of things. It was a, it was almost all fried food, but a bunch of different things, mm-hmm. and uh, so this time. He's simplifying. It's all about, and you can say this word for me because you've made this dish. I have. What? How do you? Carage. Carage. So kind of roll the carage. 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 So it's Japanese fried chicken, and he's going to have it in several different ways. He'll have nuggets. He'll have wings. He'll have rice bowls, and for a while, it's just going to be takeout from the window at seven o six East Pine, Wednesday through Sunday, three to ten p.m. So I will say uh, the courage I made was quite good. It was. And, uh, and I no, learned a little trick during doing that. You know, I, I, I used all that oil and I was like, am I going to throw this away now? Yeah. And instead I uh, ran it through a coffee filter and poured it back into the original container and it's sitting in my freezer for the next time I make garage. And we will make it again. Because it was will. good. Yeah, it's really good. And, and you know, now that I see that he's doing this, I think that maybe there's a, a little food trend coming on with Courage. Mm. I think you're going to see it popping up at different places in the next year or so. Well, you know, the other interesting thing is I had just talked to Brian O'Connor, who has Baka Bok, mm-hmm. and he was saying, you know, there's a ton of fried chicken out there, and everybody has their own take on it, and he says that he loves that competition, and he named a couple to me that I didn't put in the story, but that he loves to go eat their fried chicken. So I think this is just part of that trend, you know. Well, and the nice thing about I don't know how how these guys are making it, but I know how I made it. I made it with uh, skin on chicken thighs, mm-hmm. but boneless. Yeah, and and I'll I'll only serve you skin on if I can get organic chicken, which is what I got. Yeah. So, um, and we used coconut flour, mm-hmm. and it wasn't like really greasy, and we used really good oil too. Yeah. So uh, it, it 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 was probably the healthiest, best tasting fried chicken I'd ever made. Mm-hmm. So, well, I think we might have to head up to that takeout window some evening and and check his out because I'm sure his is really excellent. So 13 Coins is inching back to being 24 hours. Hopefully they'll do that eventually, but all three locations open at 8 a.m. now. SeaTac opens until 11 during the week, and then Thursday through Saturday open until 12.30. Pioneer Square and Bellevue open to uh, 10 p.m. Sunday through Wednesday and 12.30 a.m. Thursday through Saturday. So 
they're they're close. Starting to get back okay. to normal here. Then staff changes at Aqua by El Gaucho. This one's amazing. The Aqua GM, who was CV Menon, was the GM there for twenty one years. Wow, that is historic. That's a, that's a pretty big run. Well, that's as long as Aqua's been around. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. Aqua's been around twenty one years, huh? Man. Yeah. Well, it was something else, you know, and then it. And then it became Aqua, and then they kind of said, no, it should be Aqua by El Gaucho. They were branding. Yeah, Chef Peter so, Levine was working down there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We had a great dinner one night when we went down to see him. Mm-hmm. Um, in any case, Civi has become the sales strategy director for Fire and Vine Home Office. Then David Kim, K-I-M, Kim, became GM, and Ken Palmer is the executive chef. So that's the new stuff going on at Aqua. Hmm. And Ballard Matador has a new home. They are now at 5410 Ballard Avenue Northwest, so the, the kind of angled street. They're down there someplace. So they're just down the street from where they were. Yeah. I wonder yeah. what's going to happen with that building they were in, the old Ballard know. Computer Building. Oh, yeah. That's what that was before that. Oh, wow. Yeah, There's probably something in between, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I wonder if that building's going to go down or if it – just got too expensive and the yeah, lease that's what was I was up. Or if there's some gentrification going to happen there. Yeah. Yeah. So. Maybe they'll put the um, light rail terminal in right there. <laughs> Just take out the whole street on, ba- <laughs> on the market. Something's going to come out for a light rail terminal in Ballard yeah. somewhere. Well, across the street, they've, you know, that fire took place and that whole corner's empty. Oh, so. yeah, that's right, where that kitchen store was yeah. and all that. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. So. All right. All right. Um, let's take a little break because our calendar is, is growing back to its yeah. larger format again. And so we'll take a little break and we'll be right back. Support for Seattle Dining and the Seattle Dining Show is provided in part by Salty Seafood Waterfront Restaurants. Visit them on the water at their Alki, Redondo, and Portland locations. Hi, this is Lisa from Seattle and we love to celebrate at Canlis Restaurant. I'm Ben Dimitri from LaCole Number 41 Winery, and you're listening to the Seattle Dining Show. are here with Tom Marin and Connie Adams, and we are going to head into our calendar section, let you know some things that are going on. We add things all the time, and in this case, Mother's Day, there's a ton out there, and we're not going to talk about every single one. So go out there and see what's updated, see more Mother's Day things, and you just have to go to seattledining.com backslash calendar. So the first thing we see here is uh, Friday, May 7th at 6.30 p.m. in Blaine, Washington. This will be the Ponzi Wine Dinner at Semiamu. And, of course, because it's in Blaine and because uh, you don't want to drive after, you could just book yourself a room at Semiamu Mm. after the wine dinner. That's a plan. Uh, Ponzi Wine Dinner, that sounds like a Ponzi scheme. I know. Maybe you, the more wine you get, if you bring more people in, you get more wine. I don't know. Maybe it's a typo. Maybe it's really a Fonzie wine dinner. 
Fonz- the Fonz is going to show up. Oh, the Fonz are I, – I was thinking Fonzie Bear from Sesame Street. Yeah, well, the, it, it, both of them. <laughs> on the left, we got Henry, and on the right, we got Fonzie, Fonzie Bear. <laughs> Fonzie Bear with his new girlfriend, Ponzi Bear. Uh, this is going to be $135 a person plus taxes and fees. It's going to be five courses. Paired with wine. Now, is this one of the ones where they don't tell you what the five courses are? They She's shaking not, her head yes. They do not tell you until you arrive. So leave your food allergies at home, folks. Yeah. Uh, it's the, uh, features local partners for produce, protein, and beyond. That yeah. sounds like my kind of dinner. Exactly. Now, I'll talk about Mother's Day. There's a whole bunch of stuff going on, so I'll be going through it let's fairly Let's just do a quick. couple of highlights. Yeah. Um, let's see. Hearth at Heathman Kirkland, 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. They are doing one of their dishes is a maitake mushroom egg skillet. That's kind of interesting. Uh, Water's Table at the Hyatt Regency Lake Washington has a lemon blueberry waffle. That sounds good. Kitchen and Market, I have to say I had not heard of Kitchen and Market, and they are um, doing a brunch kit that serves four for 85 Where are they? Do you know? You know what I do? It's uh, To tell you the truth, it's 621 Union, and I'm wondering if that's the old... Oh, no, it's not. It's 621 Union. Okay. So maybe they're operating... They have some connection to Ethan Stoll. Okay. Because he put it out in his email that you could do this at Kitchen and Market, but it's two women, a mother and daughter, who run it. Okay. So I'm not sure, but all proceeds go to Mary's place. Okay. So if you would like to do something for your mom and do something good for others, do that. Serafina has a brunch, 9.30 a.m. to 2, um, 35 per person plus tax and grat, $12 kids menu. That's not bad. No, it's a really... Yeah. Cafe Campania is doing a brunch box, as we talked earlier. They're not open yet, so that's 140 that serves four. That's 35 right yep. there. Yep. 140 divided by four, yep. 35. There you go. That's reasonable. See, I can do math. Yeah, you're better at that than me. Elliot's Oyster House, um, they're doing a house biscuit and king crab Benedict. That sounds good. That one's 24. It's 11 a.m. to 8 p.m. And a Dungeness Crab and Shrimp Omelette for 19 Yeah. Interesting. That biscuit's expensive. And a Sweet Cream French Toast for 15 Yeah. Mm-mm-mm. I know. I can't believe how much biscuits and gravy cost. When we were out on the road, you know? And yeah. Pay, wow. It's like, I don't know, $15 for biscuits and gravy? I Holy think the smokes. deal is that it is really popular and... And they can charge that, and people pay it because they just love biscuits I and gravy. So. That's my theory. Uh, Casper's is a pre-order-only takeout thing. They had some interesting stuff. Chocolate chip cinnamon rolls. That might be too sweet for me. I wouldn't I make that a main course. No, but they've got a chicken breast wellington, a Mediterranean vegetable salad. It sounds good. Seafood platter. Yeah. Yeah. Family meals brunch is delivery only. And this is... Uh, two chefs, I think one was Jesse Smith and the other is Max, um, oh my God. Like, Amelia. Yeah. Well, yeah, but what's his last name? Mad just, Max from Thunderdome. Yeah, no, from Eden Hill. Good God. I'm losing my mind. Max Petty. Petty. Thank you. Yep. Um, You're welcome. <laughs> so um, they're uh, doing corned beef hash. They're going to give you two eggs so you can poach those at home. Coffee cake, granola, yogurt, yogurt parfait. Sounds good. 
Hmm. Cafe Flora is also doing a take-home brunch box. That's 80 per box and serves two. And the kids' brunch boxes are 20. Then, um, oh, the next one is yours. That's that's the end of what I was going to talk about for Mother's Day. Oh, okay. Uh, and you're going to be adding more Mother's Day stuff to the calendar. There's already more in there. I yeah. just this was you know already ten items. So if you're if you're still up in the air about what to do for Mother's Day, go head out to SeattleDining.com, click on the calendar link, and then uh, look at all the other options that are available to you. I know I noticed we didn't really have anything on the east side here, so maybe we got some yeah. stuff out there. And I, I there's stuff up there that's happening in Ellensburg, and you know I sort of there were so many I just did some that were around. Well, there town. you go, culinary road trip. For yep. Mother's Day. Yeah, take mom on a road trip. Woohoo! Bet you'll be doing something nice down at the Canyon River Grill, too. Oh, you bet they should mm. be. Mm. All right. Well, uh, on May 20th, 5 to 6 p.m. on Thursday, it's going to be the Fair Start Guest Chef, Guest Chef Night at Home. So, uh, this is going to be a thing you do. I think they do this over Zoom, don't mm-hmm. they? Yeah. Uh, it's called the Art of the Appetizers with Chef Rachel Yang of Jolie. Jewel. Jewel. See, that's why I have you read them because <laughs> I don't know how to enunciate. All I know is to say courage. That's all I know. <laughs> Trove, Revel, and then Chef Melissa Miranda of Musang, Seattle. Uh, it's free, but advanced registration is required. And... Uh, it's fair start. You know, it's going to be done well. Yeah, and actually, this is the second one. They've got four planned for the year, and this is the second one. And and uh, when Angela was here on our podcast, she said the first one had gone very well. Good. So yeah. Good. All right, uh, and then uh, hey, if you're if you're ready to get back into the swing of things with a little bit of wine, a little bit of jazz, you go to Lake Chelan to the jazz to the wine and jazz festival, which is going to happen. From Thursday, May 20th through Sunday, May 23rd, wine and jazz featured at venues throughout the Lake Chelan Wine Valley. Well, you wouldn't think there was a pandemic going on now, would you? Uh, Various days and times, you got to check the website. You can get to that from our calendar page. Uh, The full day pass, if you get it in advance, is $106.13. Uh, if you want to buy it when you get there, then it's going to be $126.13. And that's with all fees. So, like, it's a $99 charge, but by the time they do the fees, it's $106.13. Yeah. yeah. Uh, there'll be Sunday jazz shows at the park. I don't know what that means. For free? Yeah, it's free and on Sunday. open to all. Yeah. So, if you don't want the wine and you just want a little jazz in the park... And, you know, Lake Chelan at that time of year, it's going to be nice probably. And you could just take your own garage and go to the park. Yeah, but you'll have to find a place to cook it. (laughs) Well. All right, we're going to take a little break. And then uh, when we get back, we are going to talk about Tom and Connie's culinary road trip of the Willamette Valley and Oregon coast. (laughs) Support for Seattle Dining and the Seattle Dining Show is provided in part by... Esquin Wine and Spirits. Drop by and check out one of the widest inventories of wines from around the world, as well as local and international spirits, all procured by their expert staff. Is your wine collection ready for a new home? Esquin offers monthly wine store storage lockers in a temperature-controlled environment. Visit their website at madwine.com today. Hi, it's Greg Hersholt from the Como Morning News, and you're listening to the Seattle Dining Show. 
My name's Ryan, I live in Beacon Hill, and my favorite restaurant to eat at is El Quetzal. Seattle Dining Show. You're here with Tom and Connie, who have been out and about gallivanting, fixing flat tires, pumping gas, and doing a really nice little road trip of the Willamette Valley and the Oregon coast. And uh, I guess you want to say a couple things about some of the places we stayed, and then we're going to kind of go restaurant by restaurant. Yeah, and I and I will correct you. We were in Oregon, so we were not pumping gas. I pumped it twice. Oh yeah, some guy pumped it. Yeah, Judd or something. <laughs> um, yeah, actually, we we stayed at a Comfort Suites and a Best Western, and then we had our two nights at Salishan. And I have to say that all three of those places had really comfortable beds. Really nice beds. Yeah, Comfort Suites in Corvallis. Best Western in Eugene. Eugene. Yeah. And uh, they were very. You better get a nice bed of Salishan. That's all I can say. Yeah. Yeah. But it was nice. Salishan was, you know, we had a view um, through the woods and out to the ocean and yep. the bay. So it was, it was really very pretty. Very pretty. Yeah. I like it there. All right. Where did we start first on our uh, very we, first day? We headed Before south. Before the flat tire. Yeah, it was. This was this was the one before the flat tire. I went to Jeremy's down in Chehalis, which uh, we've been there a number of times, and uh, I've always liked them for their uh, direction toward healthy food, mm-hmm. grass-fed, organic, local. Mm-hmm. And they've got a market there with local produce for sale. Yep. And uh, I got to say, this time around, I don't think we were we didn't get knocked out by it at all. It you was, had a, uh, like a French dip sandwich or something, and you didn't feel the meat was great quality. Uh-uh. And I had a Greek salad, which I will say was full of flavor. And the, and the server did warn me. She said, it's, it's quite a big salad. And I said, uh, okay, because, you know, Can you get it was half? enormous. You couldn't. On several of their salads, you could, but not on the Greek salad. Huh. I don't know why, but it was way too much. So you renamed it my big fat Greek salad, yes, right? My big enormous fat Greek salad. <laughs> <laughs> uh, then we went down to Corvallis and uh, got our room, and then we headed downtown. Uh, you know, I gotta say, uh, Corvallis is is a really nice little town. Mm-hmm. Um, it's got a small town feel, but I think because it has the college there, uh, it's really held itself together well through, you know, tough financial times and through the pandemic. Uh, you know, there's a lot of cities you go to now, and, and you go down a main street like those old main streets, and like half the businesses are gone. Yeah. And this one uh, actually appeared pretty darn healthy economically. It did. There were people out and about. There was traffic. Not not horrible traffic, but traffic. People were moving about. Oh, yeah. It was, it was easy. Yeah. Um, so we went to a restaurant called Del Ama, which is down just off the Willamette River. And uh, I 
I kind of liked it. I mm-hmm. thought there was a couple hits and a couple of misses. Um, I would never uh, – if I was going to make guacamole bacon, I would cook my bacon or bacon guacamole. I would cook my bacon a little bit more. That was a little bit chewy. It was their house-made cured bacon. So I think they were putting kind of big chewy chunks in. And I, and I agree with you. It, it was a little overwhelming for the guac. So we we looked over the menu, and there was uh, a whole menu of tapas and then a whole menu of mains, and we decided to go with all the different tapas. I think we had like five or seven we different did. tapas. I think we had five, uh-huh. and it was plenty. We had some uh, scallops. Scallops and, and pork belly. And pork belly. And we, 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 have, we had some shrimp. Oh, yeah, we did. Was the shrimp and the corn... Yeah. Stew kind of thing, and yeah. we had the the beef. There were some fillet on skewers, mm-hmm. um, and uh, and uh, you know, uh, part of this trip was we we were trying to find some magic in the food. And when I talk about magic in food, I'm talking about taking a typical dish and doing something special with it that is not typically found. At every restaurant, you know, mm-hmm. the, the, you know, you can make lasagna all day long, but then when you know when I make lasagna and dump a half a cup of cumin in, ooh, that'd be nasty, wouldn't it? <laughs> oh, yeah. That wouldn't be magic, but but you know, just uh, just kind of making a, a little turn and and doing something different mm-hmm. to to make it pop a little bit more. And I was getting some magic. I could see where they were definitely trying at Del Amo exactly. to kind of play with their taste buds a little bit. And so I give them points for that. I'd go back again. I would go back again too. Um, beyond the food, oh, the other thing they did was they had some really interesting cocktails, mm-hmm. and they were all over the place. I had a mai tai, you know. That's that's hardly Hispanic. This was kind of Hispanic. I had something with vodka and uh, some kind of a extract in it. I don't remember mm. what it was. Yeah. Anyways. They had, it was, you know, there's a lot of stuff you could just get a regular drink or just get wine. They had sangria. They had a blood orange sangria, I think. So they had some interesting stuff going on. Um, the other thing for me, if you, you know, rarely do I say this, but if I can get beyond the food, I thought the place was really lovely. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we walked in, we actually went into Dolce del Alma. And it is a, like a little wine bar that they have. Yep, and right they out serve, on the sidewalk. Yeah, there. so that's kind of nice. And then they said, oh, step right through here and you'll go to the restaurant. So we went in and they s- seated us. And there were two semi-separated rooms, so two dining rooms. And actually, I think we were in the bar. That was really the bar Which area. had sort of been converted to a, a dining, dining area. But then up, it went up and there were like two or three levels. It was levels. like terraced, Yeah. yeah. And then if you look out the it's windows... It's kind of like, like the Academy Awards, right? Yeah, it was just like that. <laughs> and in fact, we were called down for an award of eating the most all night of anybody else. But if you look the other way, they have floor-to-ceiling windows that look right out on the river. Mm-hmm. It was really, really pretty. Yeah. yeah. So it was a nice place to eat as well as having some interesting stuff going on. And uh, So I that one's a keeper. Back. If you're going to Corvallis, you want to check out Del Alma. Yeah. Del Alma. Yeah. Now the next don't, don't get the kajah. <laughs> <laughs> the next morning, you had a place called the New Morning Bakery picked out in Corvallis, and I would say that was a bit of a disappointment on a number of levels. Yep, a lot of white flour, uh, nothing very healthy. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, sausage links that taste like they might have been come through either Costco or Cisco. Uh, dry pastries. No, no, I wasn't crazy about it at all. I wouldn't go back. Yeah. And it was, you know, we agreed about a couple of places like this, that there's probably a lineup on the weekends. But, you know, it wasn't for us. And they had, they had those booths. And on the, on, on, oh, yeah. on the inside of the booth, there was a lamp that was so bright, and it was done with uh, fluorescent lighting. And um, we, we sat in the booth, and then we jumped out because I couldn't take that. Yeah. And then I watched somebody put their, like, sweater over it or something. <laughs> it was a woman who had a, quite a tall purse, and she just put it on the table in front of the light yeah. and blocked it completely. I, that's the kind of thing. I would have torn that all out of there a long time ago. Yeah. would never do that to anybody. Yeah. And it was like that throughout the whole inside. Whoever did the lighting in there didn't do a particularly good job, and they haven't fixed it. They've been there several years, haven't they? The new morning oh, baker yeah. was like 2017 or 2019, something like it's that. It's been in a while, yeah. yeah. Um, and so, then, so then we headed on down. We left Corvallis. We went down to Eugene, and our first stop was for lunch up on the Amazon Creek at a place called Bruno's Chef's Kitchen, uh, which is about the size of a matchbox. Mm-hmm. Um, because of the pandemic, he's just not letting anybody in the restaurant, and you need to order and then drive up and pick up your order. At the window. There's At a the window. window. Uh, we had really good weather. There was a park down the street that we had scoped out, so we went and had our lunch in the park. But uh, Bruno's... Bruno is doing some magic. Bruno, this was another uh, top-notch meal for me on this trip. Um, you had ribs. They were like – said they were St. Louis ribs, but they had kind of a Polynesian flavor. Almost like a Colby sauce with some, uh, with some uh, seeds in it or something. Yeah. And then a grilled it. slice of pineapple. Oh, yeah. 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 So it was a yeah, yeah it was a little bit of a Polynesian flair to the to the St. Yeah. Louis style ribs. Yeah. And then I had the shrimp louis and this is this is where I start really enjoying food people. We we drive up and we're getting it and he said, "Oh, and he was so excited. He said, "I have to tell you, this is the first salad we're making that we've got the fresh local Oregon Bay shrimp." And I can really tell a the difference. They're so sweet. I I think you're really going to enjoy, you know. Chefs are like this. Chefs are like this, and I just love how thrilled they are to give you something that they think you'll love. And it was really a good salad. The avocado was delicious. And there were some sliced olives and sliced hard-boiled eggs, plenty of shrimp, and the the Louis dressing was really good. Little tomatoes, and they were all good. You know, sometimes you get a little cherry tomato, and it's like... Oh my God! What did I just bite into? It yeah. tastes so nasty. But these were every one of them was good. Yeah, and it's not even for me. It's not even just cherry tomatoes. Tomatoes, often, especially you get them in the store, they don't taste that good. So yeah. the one thing I would say about Bruno's, just as an FYI, because I know you're all going to rush out, you're going to throw your headsets down and run down to Eugene to have lunch there. <laughs> um, but the website says it's open at eleven thirty, and it opens at noon. Yep. So just just call 
because you're going to call anyway to order what you want. You should call every place you're going to go. If you're doing a culinary tour right now, don't rely on their website. Don't rely on the Google search engine mm-hmm. information or the Bing or any of that. Half of it's wrong at least. Yeah. So. And I'll just say from our perspective, I haven't really been updating our restaurant directory because it changes Okay, we're we're totally shut down. Okay, we're twenty five percent open. We're fifty. No, we're twenty five. Oh, yeah. Now we've got counties. You know, I'm not so even going to try. Let's make a phone call and get yeah. a real live person on the phone and find out what you need. Uh, so then we uh, got our room, and then we went into Eugene uh, at a place called the Fifth Street Market. We tootled around there until our reservation over at the Marche. This is not to be confused with Marche on Bainbridge Island, entirely mm-hmm. different thing. Um, but uh, this Marche is uh, said to be like one of the finest dining experiences in Eugene, and we didn't think so. We didn't think so. And, you know, we had family people telling us about it. We had a – you did a lot of research, and it came up. Everybody loved it. So we were a bit disappointed, and, and part of it was that it's supposed to be really local and fresh and wonderful. And to be honest, the and again, we'd had that wonderful lunch at Bruno's. Um, we weren't starving. Some of their dinners looked interesting, but um, we weren't overwhelmed by the options. So what we did was we got a flatbread, and we started with a burrata and beet salad. Mm-hmm. And you know what? Honestly, nothing wrong with either one of them. Just nothing special. We we both said, you know, we probably could have made these at home. Oh, easy. And and that is uh, you you wouldn't even open up your spice cabinet to make them. No, the burrata and you'll get was, the burrata and and put it on a plate with yeah. some, you know slice yeah. up uh, those beets. They I think they came out of a can. I don't think that they mm. were. I didn't get that feeling. Uh, yeah, they kind of, mm. and everything was swimming. You know, the the beets were really wet, uh, but then that Neapolitan yeah. pizza that I got was was, you know, you talk about local. I think it was swimming in the Willamette <laughs> River before I got it. You know, this happens a lot with the Neapolitan pizzas. I don't know if it's something about how they're made or the thinness of the crust, but. Or what cheese they use or what type of water. I know there's a lot of rules about Neapolitan pizza. But a number of them are like that. They get soggy in the middle. And it's Mm -hmm. not my favorite kind of thing. I I guess, I I don't know, maybe it has to be that way. I don't think so. I don't think so. um, But, you know, again, this was a really pretty place. They have a tent up outside. So we were outside in the tent and it was a beautiful day. It was like 80 degrees. Um, Our server was really good. He was. It was really good service. Yeah. I'll say that. So, yeah. um, you know, there was a lot to recommend it, but we were just really excited. That was going to be kind of our big night. Yeah. And we and it did wasn't. not. It wasn't. It just wasn't. Uh, for breakfast the next morning, we went across the river to a place called Sweetwaters, which is in a hotel on the north side of, of the Willamette River there. And, uh, well, lovely view of the river, mm-hmm. but uh, pretty low-quality food all the way around. The fruit was horrifically wilted. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, you know, you had a nasty hollandaise sauce on your you know, eggs. It was weird. It wasn't 
It didn't really. It was out of the can. Yeah, it, it, it didn't particularly taste like hollandaise, but it was also a weird consistency. It didn't have a bad flavor. It wasn't like I was like, I cannot eat this. But it, it was just odd. Yeah. So. So we don't recommend. Yeah. You know, you go there and, and look at the water. Yeah, maybe <laughs> or, you know, who knows, maybe at lunch you could get just a really simple salad or something, you know, that they're not going to be stressed over doing. But don't expect anything. Special. Incredible. Mm-mm. Uh, and for lunch, uh, it was time for Mexican food. According to Tom. Of course, it's Tom. always time for Mexican food. According to Tom. So we went to uh, Chapala. They have two locations in Eugene. Uh, one is in the mall, and then another one is up in a neighborhood uh, called Edgewood. And we went to that one. And that was, you know, it was just like going to Aztec or something. It wasn't, mm-hmm. uh, it wasn't bad. It wasn't great. But, uh, you know, nothing wrong with margaritas and nachos every once yeah. in a while. And, and the nachos had uh, whatever the spicing was and the beef that we had on it tasted like what we're told Mexican food would taste like. You know, it had, it had flavor to it. Yeah. I thought the cheese was a little rubbery. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it really didn't break. So, so but yeah. then um, – uh, we did some driving around, and then we went to uh, for dinner to a place called Sabai Cafe. Make a note of this one because this was awesome. Yeah, this is uh, fusion Asian. It's in a mall. Really good sauces on everything. Uh, there was a delicious peanut sauce we had. The chicken saute was very moist. Uh, fresh rolls with a dipping sauce, and they were fresh. Mm-hmm. And that sauce was good, too. It was yeah, like a chili sauce, sauce with some other stuff in it. Yep. Uh, we, we Connie had wanted to get a New York steak, but <laughs> we were stuffed we were from stu- the They were big appetizers. Earlier and day. the reason I wanted it is because I've never been to a Thai place or an Asian fusion place with a New York steak with maitre d' butter, which is like lemon and parsley and butter. Yeah. You know, so I thought, w- considering what our appetizers were like and how interesting they were, I thought this has to be something really interesting. I want to try it, and I I kept holding out, thinking if we just wait a minute and sip our drinks, we'll be hungry again. It was like we cannot do it. No, and it was so, I think it was like forty dollars or something. It was twenty four dollars. Like, so even if we split it, no, it was twenty four. Twenty four. Yeah. Oh, okay. But you know, we'd already had. Two appetizers and two drinks, and yeah, and that wouldn't have stopped it. us if we were hungry, right? Because it, it, we really wanted to try it, but but we would go back there in a flash. Uh, if I lived in Eugene, I would be at Sabai every month, probably. I'd mm. Probably, I, I, in fact, if I lived in Eugene, I would purposely buy a house within walking distance <laughs> of Sabai. Yeah, I'm thinking you'd be there weekly, not monthly. <laughs> so Sunday morning it was time to leave town We had heard about this restaurant called Glenwood Turned out they had two locations One down by the university And then another one up in the Edgewood area uh, And uh, we went uh, to kind of like a hippy-dippy thing With the wood and the plants inside mm-hmm. And and uh, we we had our fingers crossed that this was going to be really good, but you know what? It was not. It was average to write home about. Yeah, I had a pesto shrimp omelet, which I thought was interesting, and there definitely was garlic in it. But I actually had to salt it, and you know, restaurant food's pretty well salted. 
but uh, so it didn't well, have quite okay. the amount of flavor I was looking for, but it wasn't bad at all. Yeah. But um, and you had something that was came with salsa, so it was a. Did you get a scramble or something? Yeah, it was some kind of a scramble. Yeah. And it, it was a so-so. Yeah, and this was another place that we said on the weekends, the line must be down the street at this place, but well, so it wasn't. We were in there at nine o'clock, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, and then a couple of guys came in behind us, and by oh. ten o'clock they each had three beers. So that was a uh, little scary. Oh, that must have been some breakfast that we weren't told about. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, so then we uh, we headed on out to the coast. We went to Newport. We tried to we, we popped our head in the door at Cafe Stephanie in Newport, and looked over that white flower menu and said nope. nope. Looked at what people were eating, said nope, and we continued mm-hmm. on up the road to Depot Bay, where we had a pretty delightful little lunch at a place called Tidal Raves. Yeah, I like that. It's right on the cliff, so another place that's got a couple uh, layers like the bar is upstairs Uh so everybody gets a view yeah everybody gets a view um again i thought the service was good there and they were kind of hopping we happened to hit it at a really good time we walked in and he said oh we're just clearing a table and behind us like four groups came in so we we didn't have to wait long which was great i had calamari and i thought it was pretty light and tasty plus they had uh, you know i was looking for a more typical dipping sauce, but they did a sour cream dill dipping sauce. I don't know. Hey, you know what? I'm going to take a little break here, and we'll come back. We'll finish up talking about that, and then we're going to talk about all the other places that we went to. Okay. Support for Seattle Dining and the Seattle Dining Show is provided in part by Petra Mediterranean Bistro. Take a journey to Greece, Lebanon, Jordan, and the North Shore of Africa by way of Belltown as you dine in a welcoming atmosphere and experience the hospitality that Chef Call provides. Need a quick bite? Drop into the attached cafe or shop for authentic flavors in their adjoining store. Visit PetraBistro.com for more information. Hi, I'm Josh from Capitol Hill. I can't make up my mind what my favorite place is yet. Hello, this is uh, Tracy with Heritage Meats from Rochester, Washington, and you're listening to the Seattle Dining Show. After that break, and we were talking about eating at Tidal Raves, uh, you had the fish and chips. No, I had calamari, and what I was oh, saying yeah. was that I was going to ask for tartar sauce. Yeah. Because that's what I would normally have, and I was a little iffy on this sour cream thing, but it was quite good, oh, okay. and it was very nice for the calamari. You had a small steak. It had chimichurri sauce and a smoked tomato sauce. So the chimichurri sauce was really watery. I don't know if they'd mix it up with a Neapolitan pizza over in Eugene or what, but it wasn't very good, and there wasn't very much of it, which is okay, but I've made some chimichurri sauce, and it can be really tasty. But this was almost like a, like a full liquid, not with the, with the texture of mm-hmm. the, the herbs and vegetables in it. So, um, but the other sauce was really good. They had the smoked tomato sauce. Yeah. And I think I made some notes on that. So I'm trying to make one of those up here at home. Yeah. And the you know, nice thing about chimichurris and smoked tomato sauces, you don't have to short 
you know, how much you're going to make when you make it. Make more and then just put it in an ice cube tray. Yeah. Freeze it and you got it ready to go the yeah. next time you make a steak or whatever. And you asked at the at the server if you could just have a little extra of the smoked tomato sauce and she brought it right down. So they were, you know, very yeah. accommodating. I enjoyed it. So The steak was okay. It was a, little, it was, it was a flanky flank steak for yeah. sure. Yeah, we had, you know, some of it. They said it was a, a, a tenderloin. But it was it a, said a, it said fillet. Fillet, that's right. Yeah, it was fillet of um, flank. Yeah, fillet of flank. <laughs> and I also had a cup of chowder, which honestly there was nothing wrong with it, but it was just traditional chowder, nothing you have not had a million times before. So our kind of overall grading on this one is that it wasn't all fabulous, but it's another one that we would like to go back to at some time. Yep. So then we headed up the road and went to the Salishan Resort. Which is a beautiful place. It's actually, you know, it's like on the Oregon coast, but it's really up across the street and up the hill. So you're up in the woods, but the views are of water. Yeah. It's a, it's a really pretty place. Yeah, very nice. And they have a, a, some kind of an agreement. I don't know if the... Homes across the street, which is are gated, mm-hmm. are like Salishan homes. Like, I don't know if that's all the same company or if it's just totally private. But they have an agreement with them. So you, your room key opens the gate, and then you can drive up a couple of miles. Oh yeah, and park and go out onto the beach there. That's what we did. It was, and it's you know, a lot of those homes aren't lived in all the time, so the beach is pretty empty. So we could have gone and just spent a night in one of those homes, huh? Just broken oh, that, in. That would have been a good just found idea. an empty one and not even paid a dime, huh? Yeah. She, well, we wouldn't have had the room key to get in, so we would have had vandalized to do it. And I, I draw the line some, you know. Some yeah, point. there's cameras everywhere now. Yeah, you're right. Never mind. <laughs> so don't do that. Don't think that's an okay thing to do. So we went and we paid our way in. <laughs> <laughs> um, the... I think a disappointment for me, food-wise, was that uh, I had looked. They have what used to be their their casual restaurant um, is now, and I don't know if they started the change before or if it's a pandemic-related thing. But now you can eat breakfast in there, but really it's a retail kind of buy breakfast and take it out. They've got yogurt parfaits, they've got salads for lunch, they've got an espresso bar in there, so. Uh, I just thought that's where we'll do breakfast both days because we stayed two nights because we're going to, you know, get our good parfaits and everything. And then we asked about it and they had to go check and it turns out their yogurt is sugary. It does have sugar in it, which we try to avoid. That's, you know, we just want whole organic yogurt and we would have gone non-organic if it hadn't been full of sugar. But yeah, so we didn't we we went out and bought that kind of stuff and ate in our room, which was fine. Yep. But we got we got four yogurt parfaits for twenty bucks. Yeah. At uh, what was that? A Safeway. It was Safeway. Yeah. Yeah. So they had all the organic. They were all stuff, organic. But, yeah. So that worked out okay. And then uh, the first night we had lunch at the Attic Bar and Lounge, which has always been there. It's always been a restaurant, but. It's more their casual bar, casual fare kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize, actually, ever. I've been there before, but I think we didn't go up to the bar. I didn't realize there was a deck off the bar. So that's kind of nice. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, at Oregon right now is at 25%. We may have mentioned that. So the rooms 
the restaurants were pretty empty. The, you know, they're really widely spaced apart. So um, it was nice to have that big deck out there. It was, oh, I felt bad for the people out there because it was cold. It was cold. And, they, and had, they had some little burners out They had there. a fire pit or something. But um, nonetheless. towers. Yeah. And nonetheless, people were – I think there was a fire pit too. Well, there, was, there is a fire pit downstairs. But in any case, those people were in knit caps and jackets. It wasn't, yeah. you know, lovely warm. But So you talk about dinner there. Uh, so, uh, we, we, we had dinner and it was, it, it was just kind of pub food is what it was. Mm-hmm. I, I had a burger, right? Yeah. And you had a halibut. Uh, I had a green curry seafood, which sounded fabulous and it had halibut and clams in it. And I will say the halibut was cooked right. It was not overdone. It wasn't, you know, dry or anything. Um, but the, the curry itself was kind of odd. It was thick. And pasty. Yeah. So I wasn't... Uh, I wasn't impressed with the food. No. And I, I, and I kind of wanted to be, even if it's the pub food. Like if you go to the attic at um, Set, uh, Snoqualmie Falls. Yeah. Now that's really good food up there. Mm-hmm. And uh, you don't have to wait for a dinner reservation downstairs or anything like that. You yeah. just pop in and, and it's good. But uh, this was just sort of mediocre yeah. pub fare. I wasn't impressed. You know, it's so hard right now, too. I almost hate saying negative things about places because people are having so much trouble finding staff. Who knows who's cooking at Salishan right now? Mm-hmm. But they also have – we didn't do this, um, but they also have their Bayshore room, I think it's called, or Bayshore. Yeah, we were, we were trying not to get into our 401K, so yeah. we stayed out of the big restaurant. But they do have a – it's a pre-fee kind of thing, and it's, I think – at least what I saw, there was a three-course and a five-course. And the three-course meal was 70 per person, and that didn't include any alcohol. And we would have wanted to have a glass of wine at least. And, mm-hmm. and so we just decided not to do that. But if it's the same kitchen staff, that would have been a real disappointment uh, yeah. <laughs> if you'd spent that kind of money. Yeah. But it may be that their main chef is spending his you know, energy on that and, it, and the other stuff's going on. You know, they should be doing it right, but right now it's it's hard to get staff. and So I don't know. I was disappointed. I don't want to say I'll never go back or anything because I think it's hard times. So the next morning we had our, our organic yogurt parfaits that we made ourselves in our room, and that worked out fine. Yeah. Uh, for lunch we went down to the Snug Harbor, uh, which is uh, Oregon's oldest working tavern on the Oregon coast, and, uh, you know, it's historical. We had a pizza, uh, nothing historical about that, nothing no. hysterical about that either. <laughs> yeah, it was a, the the crust was like prepackaged or something, yeah. it wasn't, but, but it was kind uh, of fun to be in there. Kind of fun to go in a historical place and have a meal. Well, and also, as many historical places are, it, it's it was kind of a dive bar, mm-hmm. and so consequently, the people who were in there pretty much all knew each other. I mean, there were a few people who came in like us that were passing through or something, but most people knew each other. The bartender was heading to Vegas the next day for a trip away, and everybody was there to say goodbye and have a wonderful trip. And, you know, it's that kind of community thing that you get in the dive bar sometimes. Yeah. And then for dinner, we went uh, across the street from Salishan to a little Italian place called Mangia. Manja. Manja. Got to say that right, Tom. Manja. Manja. Karaja. <laughs> uh, 
so um, we we both uh, just wanted to go light after that pizza. So we had uh, Caesar dinner salads and a scampi shrimp shrimp scampi appetizer. Yeah. And the shrimp scampi appetizer was it was kind of good. It, it was, was. A, a brown butter sauce that they did live right there on the spot. A little bit of garlic in there, some uh, toasted bread to dredge the sauce, and uh, I, I was happy with it. I'd, I'd try them again. Yeah, yeah. And they were doing a ton of takeout. They also, of course, didn't have much space inside. And this is the place that isn't open now, but they have a wine bar in there. And yeah. it looked really cute. It looked kind of nice to go lounge around in. Yeah. The only thing you got to do after you go to the wine bar is get across Pacific Coast Highway <laughs> yeah. alive. And fortunately, there is a stoplight, but hard to trust. Hard to trust. <laughs> and so that was kind of the end of our trip. We headed home, and then uh, on the way home in Yelm, we went to Mariachi Allegre. Excellent pronunciation. Oh, good. I got one right. <laughs> and uh, pretty pretty typical Mexican restaurant, but really good guac. And we, we've been there a few times. We like the food there. Mm-hmm. It's very fresh. Um, go ahead. What? I said it's very fresh. Yeah, it's fresh. And uh, the margarita that I ordered was wonderful. In fact, Connie ended up driving the last leg back to Seattle. <laughs> Uh, because uh, the guy made a margarita for me, and he made it beautifully with lime juice instead of mix and not a bunch of sugar in mm-hmm. it. And it was, oh, it was just delicious. So, but uh, that was one of our pricier meals, actually. Yeah, <laughs> it's interesting. I don't know what happened that has not happened to us before there. Um, yeah, but we're getting, we were trying to get things a la carte and with like a little guacamole, and it was costing more than if you got it with the rice and the beans. And, yeah, so. it was crazy. And I thought what I was ordering was six ninety five, and when we got the bill, it was eleven ninety five. Yeah. And I guess it was because what I ordered was a la carte, and the, they added five bucks for the beans and rice or something. Yeah, it was it was kind of odd, and we weren't honestly paying that much attention. And we could have talked to them about it, but we didn't. It was like the end of the trip, and oh, we and, don't you want know. to get in trouble. We don't want to get kicked out of Yelm or locked up. <laughs> yeah. or. Anyways, so that's that's our little food junket that we did, and uh, hopefully, um, a lot of our listeners will in the next say year. Uh, put together a little food junket like uh, of their own. Yeah, whether and, it's uh, a way like we did in Oregon, or if it's near your home, or yeah, yeah. yeah. So we're gonna take a little break, and when we come back, we got some tips and tricks. Hi, I'm Erica. I live in Finney Ridge in Seattle, and one of my favorite restaurants is Poquitos. This is Ryan Santwire with Paseo Restaurants, and you're listening to the Seattle Dining Show. We are back on the Seattle Dining Show. You got Tom and Connie on the microphones. 
But I do want to take a minute and uh, welcome a new member of our <laughs> team, uh, Mr. Taylor J. Is uh, you can't you can't hear him, you can't see him, but he's back there throwing the switches, and uh, <laughs> he came all the way from L.A. to to work together with us. And uh, you know, in the whole time we've done this podcast, it's actually the first time we've had a production system that wasn't deaf. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah, we finally we finally stepped up a notch. <laughs> Well, he's new. We'll see if it's a step up. We'll see how his long-term, you know, talents come out. Yeah, I caught him sleeping a couple of times, but yeah, yeah I think I think we're going to get. I hope he's, he's going to work out. I think he's sleeping right now, but you know, we'll we'll talk quietly because we're glad he's here. Yeah, apparently we're keeping him awake. keeping him up. So, so anyways, uh, you got a tip. Yeah, you know, I was thinking the other day because I made some scrambled eggs. And I want to say this before I start. A lot of times I will say, I will talk about my failures in the kitchen. And and I really don't mean them to be negative because that's how you learn, mm-hmm. you know. So this is not a, a terrible negative. But I made some scrambled eggs and I didn't have any milk or cream, which I like to put in. Mm-hmm. And in my mind, I thought, hey, it's dairy. So I put butter in. Yep. And um, it was really, really a horrible texture. And and what came out of that, what Tom was trying to express to me, was that butter doesn't bind the way cream does. And then I looked up online about cooking with cream, and it says, you know, part of the reason cream works is you've got to use a higher fat content. Um, Like, don't use low-fat cream fresh or sour cream. It's got to be, because that will split when it gets heated. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, the butter doesn't work the same way does the cream. And so it... it kind of turned it into malto meal. Yeah, it was mushy. And was, that's not uh, a good texture with eggs. So, so my tip is kind of, these are the kind of things you need to know. What binds when you're cooking? What flours stick mm-hmm. to food? We've had issues of almond flour not sticking to food very well when you maybe pan fry it. Coconut flour works better. So maybe start a little book for yourself, if you haven't already, about these things. Because what happens with me is that I'll learn this lesson, I'll think, yeah, I'm never going to forget that. And six months later, I'm like, (laughs) why don't I put butter in the eggs? That'll work. Let's all write a book. So, you know, yeah. So I think Tom is writing a book, actually. So, But those are the kind of things to just note down, and you probably won't forget them. I will not forget the egg lesson. So, And and speaking of which, um, one of my favorite books that I like to comment on every now and then is the book you got me for Christmas maybe a decade ago called The Science of Food. Yeah. And in there, you can learn about your binders and you can learn about uh, why to use baking soda instead of baking powder or the other way around Mm -hmm. and how to get bread to rise without yeast and things like that. So, yeah, definitely start a little book. Yeah. So, all right. Well, um, I guess I'm going to talk about Pan-frying steaks. Okay. So um, the typical way that we know to pan-fry a steak is to put it on one side and leave it there for three to four minutes and then flip it and leave it there for like three to four minutes. Uh, This always works better when you do it in something like a cast iron skillet, not a non-stick skillet. But uh, another alternative to this is to put the steak down and, like, a minute later, flip it. And you put it in a cold pan, don't you? That's right. You start it in a cold pan and you just keep flipping it every minute. I think it was every two minutes. 
I think it's every every minute. minute? Okay. Um, and and you get a you get a, a you know that steak gets consistently cooked all the way through on both sides. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the one thing that's really important here is that you're keeping an instant read thermometer nearby, the kind that you poke in. And uh, and you're checking to make sure you get that steak where you want it. And if you want it medium rare, you're looking for about 120, 125. And then you're gonna you're gonna put it on a plate or on a cutting board or whatever and tent it and let it go up that extra five or ten degrees. It'll take about five minutes more of just sitting on that plate for the protein to continue to process the heat. Mm-hmm. So. Again, we're getting into the science of food, but that's what makes us all better cooks in the kitchen. Yeah, and you know, once you know these little tricks, you you start doing them automatically, and your cooking gets faster and easier, and and it's a consistent product every time, which is what we're all looking for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. great tip. All right, well, that's our show, and we're sticking with it. That's right. It is time to wrap up, uh, according to Mr. Taylor J. So thanks for joining us on the show. If you're not already a subscriber to our online magazine, it's free to do so. Just visit seattledining.com and click on subscribe free. You'll find a lot of good recipes out there, too. Hey, Taylor, wake up! (laughs) Thanks for listening to another edition of the Seattle Dining Show. This program is a copyrighted production of Mixed Media. It may not be reproduced in part or in whole without written permission of the legal owner, all right? However, feel free to share the link with all your friends on Facebook. Studio equipment for this broadcast was purchased locally at American Music of Fremont Icon. The views and opinions expressed on this show are exclusive to the hosts and guests and do not reflect those of former employees of Bill the Butcher, the Surrogate Hostess, the Beeline Diner, Louie's Chinese Cuisine, the Dog House, the Five Mile House, Charlie's, the Twin Teepees, Ocean Air, Benjamin's, the Madison Park Cafe, or any other lost Seattle icon. Subscribe free to our monthly magazine online at seattledining.com and join us next time for another edition of the seattle dining show